So we just finished up our series that we were in, the series entitled Spring. Uh, and then as Chuck even mentioned, I'm gonna be uh, away for a couple weeks down in Florida on vacation visiting my parents. Uh, it should be a great time, but, but it'll be great to be back afterwards as well with the body of Christ here. But so I was kind of thinking, you know, I don't want to start a new sermon series like one week and then I'm away for two weeks, you know, and that sort of breaks up the flow. So I had kind of been thinking going into this, you know, ahead of time, what do I want to preach on just for that, that one Sunday? Uh, and the Lord just sort of kept putting the same thought in my mind, just sort of impressing that upon me. Uh, and maybe you've already even looked at the sermon title and so you know what that is, but it's about not wasting our lives, not, not wasting the time that we have. Uh, and in fact, part of what you know made me decide to, to preach on this, I mean, it was the Holy Spirit's leading, but, but sorry, even just to give kind of like the story a little bit leading up to that, um, I've had even a couple conversations with people on this topic somewhat recently. Uh, one with someone from the church, one with, I honestly can't even quite remember who it was, the details, but it wasn't long before that I had a similar conversation, uh, sort of along the lines of, recognizing like, hey, I know I'm starting to get up there in age, not like this isn't for me. This is the person who's sort of saying this to me. I had this conversation with not like, hey, I'm on my deathbed, but like, you know, realizing like most of my time has sort of already passed me. I know I'm kind of like nearing the end. Who, who knows? You know, only the Lord knows how much time is left, but you could sort of like run the stats and the odds. And it's like, maybe it's 10 years, but it could be 20, could be tomorrow, could be five, 15, who, who knows? But I know I'm sort of coming more and more toward the end and the conversation continues sort of like, I don't want to waste that time that I have left, whatever that is, a few years, 10 years, 20 years. I don't want to sort of just have it like go by and, and I just sort of waste it doing nothing, just sort of, you know, going about my own agenda, my own business, taking it easy, whatever, you know, I, I want to leverage every every day, every week, every month, every year, and, and just live it to the fullest for the Lord. That's sort of, that's how I want to finish. The time that I have left, I want to finish well and live it faithfully in service to him, not, not sort of wasting away that time that's that's left. And I think in our, our culture, our, our country, it can be so easy to kind of waste away our time. Uh, I'm actually even going to read from a, a sermon that, that John Piper delivered. I'll kind of talk about that, probably one of his best known, probably the best known sermon of his, and I'll read from that. I'll talk about that in, in a bit. But he talks about sort of, even in our culture, if you kind of think of like, what is, in a sense, like the American dream, sort of the vision in our culture for life? And in a nutshell, and I'd say a lot of Christians sort of fall prey to this and, and focus on this. It's all about, well, during your life, just sort of acquiring things. So it's about, well, you know, buying a nice house. And then it's about getting a car. And, you know, you want to have a nice family, nice wife, and hopefully have a great job where you can save up and then you can retire and hopefully retire young. And then you can just sort of like coast your remaining days and, and sort of do nothing. There's nothing intrinsically wrong with having a, a house and a family and even retiring young. But sort of the mindset is like, what is life about? It's just sort of acquiring things and then living out your remaining years doing like nothing of any real worth or substance. And, you know, that's just sort of like me time at the end of my life and sort of wasting away our days. And I think it's so easy in our culture. That's just sort of the way our culture thinks. And even as Christians, I think for, for many in the church, people who legitimately love the Lord, it's easy still to sort of fall prey to that. And it just becomes about those things. You know, yeah, I need the car and, and the house and early retirement. And then I have my me time. And then all of a sudden, before we know it, we're, we're, we pass away, we stand before our creator 
and it's sort of like we give an account for all that we, you know, how we've lived our lives, all that we've done. And, and even if it's like, yes, we have saving faith in the Lord, we're forgiven, we're saved at the same time, yet are we going to have to say, I didn't really do much with my time, though. I wasted it away um, on things that didn't really matter. And so I think it can be so easy to waste away our time. And, and I don't want that for, for any one of us. I want us uh, to be able to stand before our creator and, and not just hear that we're forgiven, we're saved, but to hear well done, good and faithful servant, to hear that we really served him with all that we are and lived out our lives every minute to the fullest for him. And so I want to, we're, we're going to look at a bunch of scriptures as well, but before I even get there, I want to read uh, from this sermon that John Piper gave. This is, you know, a couple decades ago, as I said, I think probably his, his best known sermon uh, though there's plenty that he's he's known for. And uh, he delivered this sermon. It was at a, a passion conference, the fourth passion conference. So this was delivered to like 40,000 college students that were gathered together in, in Memphis. This was outdoors, sort of like on the green, on the lawn, gathered there, 40,000 students uh, in May 20th, 2000. So it goes back a ways. And, and he talks about this subject of, of not wasting your life. And I want to read just because he puts it so well. I don't think I'd put it better than, than John Piper did. Um, and so I want to read from his sermon. Here's what he said. You don't have to know a lot of things for your life to make a lasting difference in the world, but you do have to know the few great things that matter and then be willing to live for them and die for them. The people that make a durable difference in the world are not the people who have mastered many things, but who have been mastered by a few great things. If you want your life to count, if you want the ripple effect of the pebbles you drop to become waves that reach the ends of the earth and roll on for centuries and into eternity, you don't have to have a high IQ or a high EQ. You don't have to have good looks or riches. You don't have to come from a fine family or a fine school. You just have to know a few great, majestic, unchanging, obvious, simple, glorious things and be set on fire by them. But I know that not everybody in this crowd wants their life to make a difference. There are hundreds of you. You don't care whether you make a lasting difference for something great. You just want people to like you. If people would just likely like you, you'd be satisfied. Or if you could just have a good job with a good wife and a couple good kids and a nice car and long weekends and a few good friends, a fun retirement and quick and easy death and no hell, if you could have that, you'd be satisfied even without God. That is a tragedy in the making. Three weeks ago, we got word at our church that Ruby Eliason and Laura Edwards had both been killed in Cameroon. Ruby was over 80, single all her life. She poured it out for one great thing, to make Jesus Christ known among the unreached, the poor, and the sick. Laura was a widow, a medical doctor, pushing 80 years old and serving at Ruby's side in Cameroon. The brakes give way and over the cliff they go. They're gone, killed instantly. And I asked my people, was that a tragedy? Two lives driven by one great vision spent in unheralded service to the perishing poor for the glory of Jesus Christ. Two decades after almost all of their American counterparts 
had retired to throw their lives away on trifles in Florida or New Mexico. No, that is not a tragedy. That is a glory. I'll tell you what a tragedy is. I'll read to you from Reader's Digest what a tragedy is. Bob and Penny took early retirement from their jobs in the Northeast five years ago when he was 59 and she was 51. Now they live in Punta Gorda, Florida, where they cruise on their 30-foot trawler playing softball and collecting shells. That's a tragedy. And people today are spending billions of dollars to persuade you to embrace that tragic dream. And I get 40 minutes to plead with you, don't buy it. With all my heart, I plead with you, don't buy that dream. The American dream, a nice house, a nice car, a nice job, a nice family, a nice retirement, collecting shells is the last chapter before you stand before the creator of the universe to give an account of what you did. Here it is, Lord, my shell collection. And I've got a nice swing and look at my boat. Don't waste your life. Don't waste it. And I think very well put by, by John Piper. And again, it's so easy to sort of buy into that. It's just about the house and the car. And sort of life becomes about these things. You know, I need to save up and buy the house, buy the car, have the couple kids, the American dream. And then I save up enough and then I have my retirement. And it's just sort of me time where, again, there's nothing wrong with retirement. But then sort of like now I just sit around and do nothing that really matters with my life and waste it away. And then all of a sudden, right, we're standing before the creator of the universe. And what do we have to show for it as he puts it here? Here's my shell collection, right? Here's my softball swing. Isn't it such a great swing? And look at my 30-foot boat. Isn't it so wonderful? And is God really going to care about that shell collection or that boat or how good he is at softball? Of course not. Right? But you look at the comparison, there's that, that tragedy, sort of the American dream that people buy into, just wasting away their lives year after year, day after day, wasting away their time. And again, it's not just sort of people outside the church who fall prey to that. Plenty of people within the church still fall prey to that. People who genuinely love the Lord and sort of make their lives about those things rather than about, about living for God uh, each and every moment to the fullest. Right? So that's sort of that, that tragedy of sort of the American dream and, and living that and wasting away our time not living it for what really counts. And then there's the flip side, right? That which, honestly, our world would look at and say like, oh, that's a tragedy. Like, look, the brakes go out, they sail off a cliff to their deaths. What a tragedy. And, and I get, you know, you don't necessarily want to go flying off a cliff because your brakes went out and die. But nonetheless, you look at the, the whole picture of, of their lives, these, these two women, you know, they didn't waste away their time. What did they do? They lived it to the fullest for the Lord. They did it certainly as they lived out their occupations as a doctor and a nurse, but, but then they retired and they weren't like, great, now it's me time. I can just sit in my rocking chair, do nothing. You know, no, what did they do? They went over to Africa. Uh, you know, even when all of their counterparts, as Piper talked about, they were retired, headed down to Florida to enjoy collecting seashells and, and whatnot. And again, nothing wrong with, with Florida. I'm not knocking Florida headed there soon. It's a wonderful place. But uh, what am I saying? You know, here you have these two ladies and they didn't just sort of like mail in the last decade or two of their lives and say, now I can just live it 
in a cozy way for myself, in a selfish way. No, they went over to Africa and continued to serve the Lord faithfully day after day, ministering to the poorest of the poor, using all that they learned to, to minister to them in a, in a medical way as well and, and care for them as a doctor, as a nurse, meet their physical needs, but then also share the gospel of Jesus Christ, meet those spiritual needs as well, uh, living their lives to the fullest for the Lord. And then how do they go out in a blaze of glory, in service to the Lord. I'm not saying going off a cliff is a great way, but but nonetheless, shouldn't that be in a sense how we want to go? Not necessarily off a cliff, but like in service to God. Not, not like, hey, I'm just sort of like hanging it up, hanging up the towel, like I'm done and we just sort of coast to our death. But it's like, we're just going to the very end, serving the Lord 100% all in. And then we go out in service to him. Like th that's how I want to go out, whether it's off a cliff, probably not, or some other way, but like serving the Lord, not just sort of like rusting out, doing nothing, sitting in my rocking chair, and then finally my time comes, but rather like all in to the very end, giving the Lord my all, and then I, I, I perish in service to him. That's how I want to go out. And that's not a tragedy, even though the world might frame that as a tragedy. That's a glorious, wonderful thing, uh, as Piper highlights here, to live one's life faithfully, passionately, in service to God. And then I, I'm not going to read sort of word for word the rest of the sermon. That's just a little excerpt from it. But, but shortly after he uh, says what I just read there from his sermon, he goes on and talks about uh, this plaque that used to hang in, in the house that he grew up in. So when he was from the time, I think he said from the time he was six years old, his dad was a traveling evangelist and he had this plaque up on the wall, and it was a poem from C.T. Studd, and actually now that hangs in Piper's home as well. So like he's literally looked at this plaque hanging on the wall every day of his life from six years old till now, and, and it continues. And, and here's the quote that from C.T. Studd's poem that, that is on that wall for him. It says, only one life twill soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And again, I think so well said and beautifully said there. And I think of the wisdom too on, on Piper's father's part to put that up on the wall to see it every day and on John Piper's part as well to, to then move that to his house and it hangs there for him to see every day. Because it's easy, I even think of today as we continue with this sermon, it can be easy to go home and be like, man, you're, like, you're right, Pastor Steve. I don't want to waste the time that I have left. Like, I got to live it for the Lord 100% all in. And then like, just like fast forward a few hours and it can so easily be like, out of your mind, you've forgotten about it, and you just sort of like go back to your routine doing your usual thing. You know, yet for Piper, he's, he's not going to forget about it. And why? Because every day he wakes up, and what does he see hanging on the wall? Only one life, which will soon be passed. A nice reminder, we only have one life, and whether you're sort of nearing the end, well, then it's going to be soon passed. Even if you're like at the beginning of life, it's going to fly by, and before you know it, you're going to be 80 and, and at the end of your life. So only one life will soon be passed. We only have one life. It, it's going by quickly. Before we know it, it will be at the end. And the reality that only what's done for Christ will last. That house, that car, et cetera, all that stuff, it, it has no real great eternal weight or value. Ultimately, in the grand scheme of things from an eternal perspective, it just doesn't really matter. But only what's done for Christ has true worth and truly will last. And it's just a daily reminder for Piper. He gets up, he sees it and says, I'm not gonna waste this day away. This day is a gift from the Lord and I need to live it in service to him. And so I'm not gonna waste away this time. It just sort of keeps him focused on that. And I think there's just great wisdom in that. 
But now I want to turn to scripture, of course. I don't want to just talk about what John Piper said. I want to look at, like, what does the Lord say uh, in scripture? And we're going to look at a few passages here, a few verses from scripture that, that really highlight this reality of, of we're to live our lives faithfully in service to the Lord, not like wasting it away, chasing the American dream or doing whatever we want, whatever will make us comfortable and whatever we think uh, we desire and as a part of our agenda, we need to live it to the fullest in service to him. And I want to turn first to First uh, Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. And here's what it says. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain, right? Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Not like, you know, occasionally doing something for God, but then, then just go chase your American dream and that house and that car and that early retirement and, and whatnot, doing whatever you want. No, always abounding in the work of the Lord. We are to live our lives in that way just living every moment to the fullest for God, for him in service to him, for his kingdom, for his glory. That's how we are to live our lives, not wasting away the time doing whatever we want, but rather living for the Lord. Romans 12.1 says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship, right? What is it saying? To offer our, our bodies, our lives as a living sacrifice, basically offer up our lives, live our lives out in service to God. And that's like a sacrifice and offering that, that's offered up to the Lord. We are to live our lives, offer up our lives, our bodies in service to him, right? Not sort of wasting away our time, doing nothing of importance, sort of pushing God off to the side, doing whatever we want. No, we're to offer up our bodies, our lives, as a living sacrifice for him, living for him every day, moment after moment to the fullest for the Lord. Colossians 3.17 says, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Right? Whatever you do, period, end of story, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Not like do it all in your own name, do whatever you want, do your own thing. No, it's Whatever you're doing in all things, right? Do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Do it for him. Live out your life, whatever you're doing at all moments, right? Do it for the Lord. Do it in his name. We're to live out our lives in service to him, not just wasting it away, carrying out our own agenda, whatever we, whatever we desire. And I want us to turn as well to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. Here's what these two verses say. It says, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Right? The whole idea here is, is you're not your own, right? If you think of sort of like the American mindset, it's so easier for us to think of like, you know, I, I lay claim to ownership of myself, my life, like, you know, I'm independent, I have my rights, I'm in control, Who, you know, I'm not going to answer to anyone. That sort of is like very much a part of American culture. Sort of, I have my rights, I'm going to live for myself, I answer to myself, I'm the boss, I lay ownership to, to I, I lay claim to ownership of myself. And yet, what does scripture here say? You're not your own, right? I'm not the owner of myself, I'm not the owner of my life, but rather God is. 
You are not your own. You were bought at a price. And, and while it may make us uncomfortable and we don't like the sound of it, like this is the language of slavery. And that's how anyone in, in Paul's time as he's writing this would have heard that. If you don't like the word slavery, you can sort of say bond service, that sort of same idea. But, but that's the whole idea. It's like you, you once, hey, Christians, you once were, were slaves to your sin, held captive by it, but, but you were bought, right? You were purchased out of that enslavement, but now you have a new master. You don't have the same old master. You've been bought out of that enslavement through what Christ did for you on the cross, but now you have a new master. You're a slave or bond servant to the Lord, to, to God. You are slaves of God, servants of God. You're not your own. You can't lay claim to ownership of yourself and your life. God does. He owns you. He's in charge. And we might think of that and say, like, I don't like the idea of someone owns me and so forth, but, I, you know, I wouldn't have it any other way, right? I, I want to be the Lord's. I am the Lord's. I want him to be the owner of me, of my life, and we should rejoice in that. But he is our master. We are his bond servants. We are not our own. We were bought at a price. And so then what's sort of the logical conclusion of that? Well, therefore, honor God with your body. That is, honor God with your lives. Live out your life in service to him. Here it emphasizes body because this is in the context of sort of sexual immorality. So he's, he's speaking sort of specifically to that that topic. But the idea here is like, you're not your own. Someone else owns you. It's God, right? He's your master. So, well, if he's your master, you live for him. You live for your master. You live out your life in service to him, honoring him. And so as I think of sort of the idea of living out our lives in, in service to God, not, not wasting away our time, certainly what, what chiefly ought to drive us is, is we should do it out of love for the Lord. We should say, I just, I love the Lord so much that I, I want to live every moment for him. I just want to keep him at, at the center and live out every moment, every day, just sold out 100% for him. But the reality is also as sort of a motivator and, and driving force in, in causing us to live out lives in service to the Lord faithfully day in and day out is the reality that we have an obligation. Certainly we're commanded to do that, so we're obligated to do it. But again, it should also be and fundamentally driven by love, but we are obligated to. He's God. He has commanded us to always abound in the work of the Lord, to offer our bodies as living sacrifices in whatever we do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him, just to reiterate some of those verses we read. But again, even think of obligation, we see that in this last passage that we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, the idea of like, we're not our own, right? We have a master. We're obligated to him. We should do it out of love and desire to live out lives in service to him, but, but we're bound to him as our master. And so we ought to be living for him. And so we shouldn't be wasting away our days going about our own agenda, whatever we think, pursuing that American dream or whatever else, but we should recognize as this passage is saying here that, hey, we're not in control of ourselves, our lives. We have a master. We need to live for him and serve our master. But I want to, again, if we just sort of recap these passages, it's quite clear. We, we see it all over the place that, that we are to live out our lives in service to God. We're not to waste away our days, waste away our time, live it for whatever you want, whatever your agenda is, but rather we're to live faithfully in service to the Lord, leveraging our time to the, for the most, for, for God, for his kingdom. But I want to sort of speak to kind of like our, our application and kind of dig deep here a bit. Of course, if you think generally, like what's our application? Don't, don't waste your lives. Don't waste the time that you have left, but rather live it for the Lord, right? Uh, give him your all every moment, every day, every hour, every year, you name it. Like live it 100% passionately for the Lord uh, in service to him. 
But I want to get more specific than that and sort of say, well, like, what, what does it look like to live out our lives faithfully in service to the Lord? Not wasting away our time on sort of pointless things that don't really have any true eternal worth, but what does it look like to live out our lives just passionately in service to the Lord day after day after day? And certainly there are various elements to, to what that's going to look like, and I want to highlight those various elements. Uh, part of that is just general obedience, right? If we think of sort of like living out our lives in service to the Lord, often what comes to mind is like going out there into the world and like doing some great grand thing in service to the Lord, and, and that that is part of it. Certainly, but, but part of just living each and every day and moment for the Lord is obeying his commands, living with him as our master and, and acknowledging all of the commands of how we're to live faithfully and obediently unto him. And, and part of living for him is following those commands and just living an obedient life. Uh, part of not wasting our time and instead living our lives passionately for the Lord is just spending time worshiping him, drawing near to him, spending time in, in prayer, uh, spending time in, in Scripture, again, just sort of drawing near to the Lord, rejoicing in Him, just delighting in Him as we spend time with Him. That's part of what we're called to, and that's part of not wasting our lives, but instead living it to the fullest for the Lord. It's not always just going out and doing some great thing, but it's also just spending time with God, praising Him, worshiping Him, drawing near to Him, delighting in Him. What else does it look like to live out our lives faithfully in, in service to God? Well, part of that is, is serving in, in the church, part of it serving in, here at New Hope Chapel in various capacities. However, God maybe has called you to step up and get involved and serve. Maybe that's some position on the board. Maybe it's helping out with Sunday school. Maybe it's, it's being a greeter or an usher or whatever, but sort of jumping in and saying, I, I do want to serve. I want to live my life for the Lord. And he wants me to get involved in, in sort of ministry and, and the life of the church. And so stepping up and saying, yeah, I want to volunteer. I want to serve. Um, it, it could be outside of New Hope Chapel, too. It's not like just ministry within New Hope Chapel, but it could be some ministry out there, some parachurch ministry. It could be Clearway Clinic or some prison ministry thing, and maybe God's just sort of like laying it on your heart to, to be a part of that and, and join that. And again, that's part of leveraging your time, living it to the fullest for the Lord, getting involved in, in other ministries as well and, and serving God through those ministries. Um, also thinking of living our lives for the Lord, it, it, part of what it looks like is just even loving on people, right? Again, we often think of sort of the grand things going out, going to Cameroon to use the illustration that, that Piper used, those two women who, who went to Africa and served the Lord faithfully. And um, that's great, but it's also little things of just sort of like loving on a family member, loving on the, your neighbor, that, that lonely widow who lives next door and just taking, even, even though you're busy, taking time out of your busy life and like just going over and spending time and having a cup of coffee and, and, and just being there, supporting that person, caring for that person. Maybe it's a friend, a family member, coworker, neighbor, et cetera, just loving on people as God has commanded us to. What else does it look like living our lives to the fullest for the Lord? Well, going out into the world and sharing the gospel, taking advantage of every opportunity that we have. And that doesn't have to mean like being a missionary on the mission field way far off somewhere else, but just like, in a sense, every time we leave our church building, like we're on a mission field, that, that's the reality of it. We live in a world where all around us in our communities, we have people who don't know the truth about Christ. And as we go about our daily lives in the workplace, in our homes, even with family who maybe don't know the Lord or friends in our neighborhoods, just going out there and faithfully proclaiming the truth about Christ. That's part of living our lives to the fullest for the Lord. 
Uh, it, it also involves caring for the needy, right? If you think of another element of just living our lives for the Lord, thinking of just people who, who are in need all around us, uh, whether that's financial need or, or in other sorts of ways, having, having needs, just, just loving on them, caring for them, supporting them, being there for them. Um, and as we think of some of these elements that, that I've highlighted of what does it look like to live out your life faithfully, you know, just all in 100% for the Lord, uh, some of them are sort of this, they're sort of common to all of us. As I talked about just sort of general obedience to the Lord, that's true for me, that's true for you. As we talk about spending time worshiping, praying, in, in just in God's word, that, that's, that goes for all of us. But then there are some that sort of it can have sort of a specific, unique element to it for each and every one of us. So as I talked about the example, there's sort of an element that's common to all of us, but also an element that's specific. As I talked about serving in, in the church somewhere, right? Now, that's common to all of us in the sense of we should all be engaged in serving in the life of the church, but the way in which maybe he's called me to serve is different and distinct from the way that he's called you to serve. Maybe for someone it's, I'm just, I love kids and I just want to pour into kids, so you teach a Sunday school class. For someone else, maybe you're like, I don't like being up front. I just love doing behind the scenes things, just sort of helping out. I'll clean things up. I'll get fellowship set up, whatever. Maybe that's how God's called you to serve. And so for some of these, there's just sort of unique elements to it that's distinct for each and every one of us. And God certainly has a special calling on the lives of each and every one of us uh, in a way that's unique for me to, to shepherd this church, this congregation. That's unique for me. He has a special calling on the life of each and every one of you and, and how he wants you in a special way to serve him. And so as we think of, you know, well, what does it look like to live out our lives just, just faithfully, passionately, in service to the Lord 100%, not wasting our time? Well, it's going to involve living out that special calling that God has on your life, uh, which probably fits into one of the categories that I've already talked about, maybe it's serving in the church, as I talked about getting involved with some parachurch ministry. Maybe God's like calling you to start something new that nobody else has started and, and, and just plug ahead and, and start up some ministry, whatever it is, whatever that special calling is that, that God has on your life. If you're going to live faithfully, passionately to the fullest for the Lord, it's going to involve living that out faithfully as well. And so as I think of our, our application, I want to challenge us to spend time in prayer uh, maybe you know what that special calling is on your life. Maybe you're already doing it. That's great. But maybe you're sort of like, you know, I don't know. You know, we do have a lot of people in this church who I use that example at the beginning of having that conversation with someone who's sort of like, I know I'm nearing the end of my life, not like way at the end, but I'm getting closer and I want to live those those last years to the fullest for, for the Lord. Maybe that's you. Uh, we have a lot of people sort of in that demographic age, 60s, 70s, and maybe you're thinking like, but I don't really know what God's special calling on my life is for this season of my life, right? For those couple people Piper talked about, it was to go off to another country and minister to the poorest of the poor. Maybe that's the case for you. Maybe it's something different. But I think oftentimes we may not even be aware of what God's special calling is on our lives. And I want to challenge us, each and every one of us, to take the time to really deeply think about it and really be in prayer about it and say, God, what is it that you want from me in my however many years left? Or maybe you have most of your life ahead of you. God, what is that sort of special calling you have on my life at, at this stage, that way in which you want me in a unique way that's distinct from other people, a way in which you want me to serve you? And whatever it is that he lays on your heart, be faithful to it and live it out. And I think oftentimes, too, as we think of that special calling that God might have on our lives, um, if, if God lays on some, lays something on our hearts that just seems so great and big and grand, it can be all too easy to feel like, 
that's just too big for me. Like, I'm just, it's just little old me. Surely what he has in mind for me is something smaller. And nothing, there's nothing small in the kingdom. It's all hugely important. But you sort of know what I mean. It's, it, you know, you might think, no, surely what you have in mind for me is just to like help out with some ministry here or there or there. And maybe that's the case. And that's great and wonderful. But perhaps for some of us, God has like some big plan, some grand thing, some grand way in which he wants to use you. And I don't want us to sort of, you know, sell God short in a sense and say, God, you don't want to do that with me. That's not a great plan. I don't like the idea of that. It's it, like, it, I'm not capable of doing that, you know, and we make the excuses and instead we try to find something else, some other way in which we can serve the Lord that sort of we're a little bit more comfortable with. And so I just want to have us as we spend time in prayer about God's special calling, be open to big, amazing, grand things. Right. It, it, you know, I think of the example Piper used, that nurse and that doctor who went off to another country. It would be easy if you just sort of feel God putting that on your heart to say, that's that's huge. That's big. I, I'm not sure I want to go off to some other country, you know, as I'm getting older, too. And I'm going to have some huge impact on these people's lives. Probably the impact that they will have is far greater than they ever imagined, probably far greater than the direct impact that they had from ministering to those people, just even through the sermon that Piper gave and how many people's lives have they impacted through the sermon that Piper gave that's been repeated time and time again. And what if they had said, that just sounds, it sounds too, too big for me. I just want some little small calling that's easy for me to do. I don't want us to only think small, but if God lays something big on your heart, go for it. Don't second guess God. He has a plan, a perfect plan. And if he puts something big on your heart, don't shrug it aside. Uh, brush it aside, but rather say, God, if that's your plan, even if it seems overwhelming for me, I'm all in 100%. I want to make the most of the time that I have left. And if that's how you want me to do it, I'm all in. I'm on board. And so let's have that response of faithfulness. And I want to give us one last reminder before we get to the, the close of, of this sermon. Uh, but I mentioned in, in Piper's sermon how he talks about that C.T. Stud poem, only one life twill soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. Uh, there's just such great wisdom in Piper having that reminder before him each and every day that, hey, I can't waste this day. I can't waste this day. Every day he gets, gets up, he realizes, before I know it, my time's going to be over and I need to make the most of each and every day. And I want to encourage us to have some sort of reminder along those lines. Maybe it's what Piper did, and you want to get this verse from for these, these couple lines from this poem and hang it up somewhere great. Or maybe it's like on your phone and like you turn on your phone and like, boom, that little reminder is like your screensaver or wallpaper. Or there's like a notification that pops up once a day. It could be that poem. It could be one of these Bible verses that we read here today or, or something else. Just a reminder, you know, this day is a gift from the Lord. And we ought not to waste it away on things that don't really matter, but some sort of reminder that, no, we got to live every moment, every day to the fullest, because it's so easy to lose sight of that. It's so easy to forget about that and just sort of go back to our default position and waste away our time. And so I just want to challenge us to have that reminder that will sort of keep us on track, that we might truly not waste away our time, but live every moment to the fullest for the Lord. And if we really do that, if we really resolve, you know, I'm not going to waste away my time anymore. I'm all in, Lord. Whatever time I have left, I'm going to live it for you. If we really resolve to do that and we follow through and we're faithful, I have no doubt God's going to do some amazing things through it uh, for his kingdom, for his glory. And I would be thrilled to see all of those amazing things come to pass and just see God use us in great ways for his kingdom, for his glory. Amen. And let's pray.
Lord, thank you for every day, every moment that you have given to us on this earth. It is a gift. We should certainly view it that way. It's also a responsibility. And all too often we squander that time and we waste it away on things that don't really matter, don't really have true significance and worth. And may for each and every one of us, may we say no more to that, no more wasting the time you've blessed us with. And I pray that we would resolve to the best of our ability through just the transforming work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. May we resolve to, to say, no, we're going to live every moment for you, Lord, 100% all in. And as we do that, may you just work wonders, work through it, do your kingdom building work for your glory. In your name we pray. Amen.